Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Black Social Capital Podcast. Today's guest is going to be Boca Agboje. Boca is a digital native and marketing specialist with a focus on authenticity. He has worked on the marketing campaigns for a wide number of major video game titles, including Apex Legends, Star Wars Jedi, Fallen Order, and Elden Ring. Boca is based in the Bay Area, where he is currently working as the social community and influencer lead on a new Microsoft published action RPG titled Towerborn. Welcome, Boca. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm already stumbling on my words. I'm so nervous, Dr. Jackie. <laughs> Don't be nervous. We're so glad to have you. Look, I, I, I'm excited to, to have you on the show today. Um, it's not often that I get Dr. Jackie to talk video games, so we're going to see how long she stays plugged in. Um, one of the reasons I'm also excited, too, is because I think in this episode in particular, um, you know, we'll figure out if people can really get paid to, to work and to talk and to think about video games or prove all of our parents wrong. Oh, my gosh. So, so uh, to kick things off and to get our, our argument underway, wanted to really dive right in and to talk about uh, your educational pathway. How did how did you use uh, your education to to get to where you are? So what what major did you choose that said video games is your thing? I'll go even further back than my major. I knew I wanted to work in the games industry since I was eight years old, since as far back as third grade. Um, back then, I thought I wanted to do design, but still, every every opportunity for a decision to make my own educational pathway pushed me towards that. So I was like, oh, are you going to do band or are you going to do art in middle school? I chose. I was like, well, games have art. Let me do art. Or, um, But then you know, I, I ended up going to University of Southern California. Um, I initially started actually as a computer science major uh, with a specialty in game development, um, but that wasn't really me being true to myself. That was at least 50% trying to appease my parents. Um, so because I, I, I don't like math. I don't like coding. Um, and you can imagine a computer science major. It's a lot of math. It's a lot of coding. Um, so at least by my sophomore year, I pivoted to the other side of USC's games program um, to get a major, to switch my major to interactive media, interactive entertainment with like a minor in business. Um, thinking then I was going to do more of the pure design side of things. But even then, another pivot still within the same wheelhouse, though, of like at the time, I think it was like 2015 ish, 2014, 2015, when I really started thinking about internships post freshman year. I was like, nobody's talking about the marketing side of things or the social media side of things. So I was like, okay, I myself, uh, like I said, digital native, I've always been on social media. Um, let me just say that that's what I do and then make it kind of a reality. So um, stop me from getting ahead of myself, but I cold called this one uh, indie game studio out in Holland, shout out Team Reptile. Um, I was like, yo, I liked your game. Um, do you do internships there in Holland? And I don't speak Dutch. Did an externship for them doing community management. So helped organize tournament or did some interviews with players in the community. Um, and then from there, Riot Games doing gameplay comms, EA doing corporate comms and so on and so forth, post-grad, et cetera. When 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 you say uh, when you say gameplay comes right, yeah. I, what's funny to me is that video game speak is its own language, right? Mm -hmm. When I think about video games in general, I think about I got the headset on, I got the 
little speaker that comes down so my my, my friends can hear me clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's one type of communication. But when you say uh, gameplay comms, what like what are you talking about specifically? And then I have a couple of questions about that pathway that you yeah. just mentioned as well. Yeah, so gameplay comms is the overarching bucket I'll put all my work in. And gameplay comms or gameplay communications, that is taking what the company, the studio, the publisher is doing and trying to relay, trying to make sure the players understand both what we're doing and why. So, for example, at Riot Games, that was my first big AAA internship. Imagine they have patch notes. Every two weeks, there's an update to League of Legends. And so I was part of the team that was helping. I was embedded with the 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 designers, the developers, like, oh, this this character is stronger, this character is weaker, this mode that was temporary is now leaving, this new mode is coming in. Help distill that um, and explain to the explain to our audience, our player base, why. And you know, it can be a trivial thing, but especially if if you are a streamer, if you're a professional player, if you're in esports, you know, you care a lot about why these things are rising and falling. You know, it might be just like, oh, whatever, it's just a game. Because like, no, I play. If I play League for 40 hours a week and they nerfed, they weakened the character I play, I'm going to be peeved. And I'd certainly like to know why they think that's a good idea. I, th- I think, um, you know, one thing that that I'll, I'll, I'll uh, maybe chat with you a little bit on, right, is that everything you just said, <clears throat> I guess in the history of video games, is fairly new, right? You know, in, in, on our podcast, we have a, a variety of different listeners, right? We've got uh, digital natives like yourself. We've got some folks like Dr. Jackie that the last video game they played was Animal Crossing. But before that, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog was was a favorite, right? So can you kind of give us the, I guess, the, the trajectory of video games from kind of that single player back in the day you're playing on your own to how now everything is uh is really community based and can you kind of talk about like uh what those communities look like in general yeah um i'll say the the need for this this role is new right gameplay comms always was a thing to some degree but rather it being an ongoing thing imagine og sonic the hedgehog um Gameplay communications back then might have been much more wrapped up in PR and marketing. That is, okay, we're going to talk to the major publications that care. We'll talk to Game Informer, Nintendo Power, other magazines, print journalism. We're going to be concerned about, all right, we're going to do some physical ad buy or ad spend. Like, oh, let's get an actual commercial if we have Buku money. All right, that, that's what that work was. And But now, uh, so often games, you'll hear the phrase games as a service or live service games. That is, it's less of a... You gave me your money, you have it, you play it, you're done. And more games evolve, games continue to add content, games change and grow. And so to that end, you're communicating, documenting those changes and letting those who engage with these games change. So imagine you're playing Sonic the Hedgehog, but a current version. And imagine there was a bug that they missed the first time around when they shipped the game out. Well, now, because everything is connected to the internet, they can update the game. They can fix that bug. They can make some enemies weaker, some enemies stronger. Um, and gameplay communications, a piece of that will be relaying that information to it. And, you know, or to those who are playing. Another piece of what Theo mentioned is like game game communities. You know, games are games function in a similar way as sports do. Game and play is an essential part of human development. We learn through play. And so it's an opportunity to connect with people. I think growing up, 
the main way I connected with my many, many cousins, right, was, oh, playing video games. We wanted like a whole week in Florida as young prepubescent, pubescent boys, but all we wanted to do was play Smash Bros with each other, um, like Super Smash Bros on the Nintendo Wii. And so my role right now, I'm social community influencer. The community part of that is the digital spaces which people want to congregate, gather, discuss a game. We want to make sure both they have the tools to do so. And if if you were the only person, Dr. Jack, in your life who knew Sonic the Hedgehog, my job would be you still have somebody out there who you can discuss Sonic the Hedgehog and the latest Sonic game with. So Discord is a platform with uh, that games use a lot to discuss. Or Reddit, um, another place for people to congregate and discuss games, right? So it's like the job of somebody in gameplay comms or these companies is not necessarily to completely control the conversation but just to make it so like oh if i'm in middle of nowhere ohio where i grew up and like oh man nobody else cares about this newest video game i can go online to the spaces that this this company made and find other people like-minded interest mm. or like og pokemon oh i need somebody to trade with now there's so many online spaces where you can find somebody to trade with to play with to connect with so so <clears throat> so in your bio um you mentioned uh, you know, marketing with 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 authenticity, right? So, um, I guess so. So, I guess as you're building the the community, you're yes. looking for um, those opportunities to be authentic. Like, what what does that look like? Um, it's it's laziness is what it is. I like I said, I'm a digital native, and I as long as I've ever written words, I've been told by people who have to review my work. Oh, you have a strong voice. That is. It's very clear when Boca is talking, speaking, writing, communicating. And so so often, think about how brands came across or try to come across on social media. Like, oh, what's the new hipness that the kids are talking about? Let's jump on it so that they that they feel connected. There's a whole subreddit uh, dedicated to that, r slash fellow kids, right? The, the end conclusion being, man, this feels corny. This feels whack. I hate it when they do that. So I just try to, when I say with authenticity... Um, I speak in first person, I, not we, talk about the things I care about, make the references I care about. Um, and particularly when I was working on bigger brands that had more baggage with them, that was super important to come across to remind the end user that, hey, there's a person behind the screen. This company that you love to deride and threaten and uh, rag on is made up of real people. And so, like, uh, I have a threaten. Oh, yeah. When I handled social media for, uh, I can say companies. Yeah, when I handled social for EA, the, the people loved to rag on EA. The EA owns EA Sports and The Sims and Battlefield, a lot of other brands. And they're 40 years old in a 45-year-old industry. And so certainly has a lot of corporate baggage. People, oh, they're money grubbing, what have you. I can't speak for every single person in the 10,000-person organization, but it's like, all right, me behind the Twitter let me just talk about, oh, the things you enjoy about FIFA, I also enjoy about FIFA. The things you think are funny about Apex Legends, I also think are funny about Apex Legends. So think of memes as if I was just another person talking about the game, except I'm tweeted from an account with 5.3 million followers. So sound like a human being was somehow revolutionary and super easy because I am a human being and that was fun. Uh, I think I think that lines up directly to one of the things that Dr. Jackie uh, had on her uh list of questions, you know, in terms of representation. You want to take that one away, Dr. Jackie? Yeah. I mean, the question was really, um, how do you see yourself in terms of rep representation in video games and online? 
Mm, that's an interesting question. Um, I can't be anybody but myself. Um, and yeah, I think we all owe, our, owe ourselves that uh, the degree. I'm also how frank I can be frank. I, I grew up uh, in, not necessarily in a predominantly black environment, right? So like I feel like I'm I have a very code switching supernatural to me. So at the very least, I'm not looking at myself in the mirror like you sold out. It's like no, I'm just versatile in that way. But I it's like that. yeah, and so. I th- honestly, flu- fluency is in an inadvertently been a blessing. Um, but I think also like s- bigger companies have the space and the time to devote resources to um, establishing pipelines. I got to work with um, Black Girls Who Code when I was at, or no, I got to work with Black Girl Magic and Girls Who Code whilst at EA. Um, you know, they, they were larger, they had the, the, the capital to do so. And perhaps enough people internally who are pushing for such opportunities. Not every company is the same in that way. Um, and it's also it's, it can be hard to you know when you come from immigrant parents to be like, all right, keep your head down and don't do anything that can possibly put you at risk. That's still always in the back of my mind, to, to be quite frank. Um, but I think games are growing as a more and more diverse space, not just in terms of racial diversity, but also gender diversity. Like mm-hmm. people underestimate how many women play games. Like my, mm-hmm. I, I roll up to, this is almost a straw man, but thankfully like, you know, I have a company that's uh, led by a woman, you know, we have a CEO and president uh, who's a woman. And so I think don't, don't to, to any young girls who are listening out there who are like, oh, I like games, but I don't see other people out there. I haven't met other female gamers. There, there are dozens, thousands, million of you um, just because you haven't heard them speak. And that's the importance of fostering and developing online communities where everyone can feel safe and included. I think that leads perfectly to what I'm wondering about next, which is what types of communities are you looking to strengthen and build? And it doesn't necessarily have to be the lady gamer or mm-hmm. female identified gamer community, but mm-hmm. what are your passion areas in terms of communities um, that should be built up in gaming? In gaming, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think again, starting with authenticity, I want to start with especially within my work. Let me start with those who love the game first, right? And understand that those who love the game don't all look the same way. That some people, some, some diversity initiatives inadvertently well meaning might do it backwards. Let me get a well known name and/or face that is a part of a group that we feel is underrepresented in our community. It's like, well, do you? Do you care about uh, Polaroid cameras? Lord knows, but oh man, we're we're feeling like oh we're 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 mixed up in that way, or we're, we're lacking you know, from such groups. So when it comes to the the central community, I'm, when I'm trying to build on games that I work on, core you start core is the word you'll hear a lot, both because core players, those who are super duper passionate, they convert, they proselytize, they reach out, they go tell it on a mountain. This thing that I love is dope, and everyone should care about it. Um, and so they can, they can go further and then just understand, don't come in with a preconceived notion of what your core will look like. Cause okay, everything- can I go ahead? Yeah. Can I tell you, okay. I'm gonna describe this best I can, but you know, the Sims, right? Yes. Okay. So they have so like when I'm scrolling through social media, sometimes I see stuff from Sims and people like Sims used to just be like these little, like pixelated characters they walk around a little bit you make a house or i don't know exactly what all the game entails please please don't get me people okay so but now sims are doing all kind of things like they're remaking 
classic black memes. You see people with like faux locks, not even just regular locks, like faux locks and lace fronts on scent. Like people are doing all kinds of things. Like there are some amazingly talented people like coding or whatever you got to do to make that like you like you make the thing you want in the game that already exists. Like people are people are talented. Is, yeah. are, is that what you're talking about? Um, that's not exactly what I'm talking okay. about. No, but it, it's related though, because what you're describing is like the work of the community and also how did Maxis, the studio behind The Sims, empower their community? Because um, like a, a lot, there are a lot of mods on The Sims. There's the base game, which I think now is free to play uh, for Sims 4, right? It's like, oh, okay, I can just do the basic. I built a house with some basic colors and tiles, white refrigerator. But then between the stuff <laughs> packs, the game packs, expansion packs, so, oh, I want to take my sim to college. Oh, I want my sim to go on an island adventure. Those are the officially made by the studio, Maxis. And then another level, those who do the coding, those who um, have gone in and said, oh, I want more hair options. I want more skin tone options. I want other animations that, uh, oh, I want the sim here. They're just doing the hokey pokey. Can I make my sim dance a little different? Mm -hmm. You know. So these are the things that the community are doing, have taken upon themselves because black people love the Sims. Black women love the Sims. And so they reflected that love and what they created uh, a way for, oh, I want my hair to look. Because again, the Sims is like playing with life, you know? So if you can imagine it, if you see it in the world, you can put it into the Sims. So there's a, a passionate community around modding on the Sims. And so, and then that then encourages more people to check it out. Those might've been like, oh, the Sims is interesting, but man, these hair options are whack, whatever. So that's the importance on a on a company side for empowering a community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and for those that that needed the the explicit version, right? Mod is modification. Oh, excuse you me. Know? Yes. You know, look, I, I I was following. I saw mm -hmm. I saw the glaze going over Dr. Jackie's eyes. I was getting it. No, I was getting it. I didn't know oh, what yeah. that you meant, but Dr. I was Jackie's getting the rest. Way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning. Exactly. Yeah, I have another very auntie question. Go ahead. But you, this is probably very shameful. But no. you know the kids be wanting you to give them money for that game and Roblox. Ro Roblox, yeah. What is that? So <laughs> why does? <laughs> no, I, I, I can I can speak to what? that, right? This you probably way too advanced to be answering my little question. I'm there's, sorry. There's no such thing, right? This is you know, <laughs> there's no shame in learning. You know, don't be afraid to ask a question, right? It's like it's it's in Roblox, but it's also in most live service games, right? So Roblox, Call of Duty, Fortnite, Apex Legends, FIFA, NBA 2K to a an, uh, perhaps an excessive degree. The idea is the cost of making games, much like all other forms of major arts and entertainment, making movies has gotten more expensive, making uh, television has gotten more expensive, making games has gotten more expensive. And the cost of a oh, I'm just going to GameStop. I'm giving you money for a new game. It's been $60 for like 15 years. Now it just kind of bumped up to 70. So it's like, all right, how can we, what other opportunities do we have to get, we, a company, have to get money from the from the player if they already bought the game? Or so many games now also have a free-to-play model. That is, oh, like I said, The Sims, the base game is now free. So how do they make money? They might make money through microtransactions. Like small, small things that you can buy to either accelerate your progress through a game or alter your appearance in the game. Um, I mean, there's there's other categories, other styles of it, but the base idea is 
the games are expensive. How can we make more money? Or not even games are expensive, but a company might just want more money. They have an, I'm going to air quotes, obligation to shareholders. Ergo, they would do what they can to think of more things to sell. Um, and But the reason you're often buying a currency rather than just, okay, but why can't I just $5 on my credit card to buy a hat in Roblox? No, I'm paying $5 for Roblox bucks, and then I use the Roblox bucks to to buy the hat. That That extra layer in between is uh i'm trying to think of a nicer word than psychologically manipulative um, <laughs> all right we, we, we tell the truth here so yeah i mean it works that. though because like the kids are like i want this thing and you're like what but if they had if the kid had asked me like oh i want a hat in this thing mm -hmm. in the game no but i need this to play my game okay well you it's, know your you kid take the five dollars and play your game it's really interesting because like cosmetics on one hand are the least frustrating because like imagine we're playing a competitive game we're both playing an online shooter and if i can if i can just pay ten dollars better gun i might stop playing it's like oh well, screw this it's literally pay to win that is the more money i put in the stronger i am that is very frustrating versus like oh if all you're just buying is like clothes to flex on me it's like oh that doesn't mean you're going to beat me your corpse is going to look shiny so <laughs> sorry uh <laughs> So, so that's, that's one side of it. And like also, but also people who don't play a lot of online games, they're often like incredulous. Like why the hell would I ever spend money to, to uh, alter my online digital appearance? These online spaces where people spend more and more time, you know, and I, I don't, I'm, I'm ironically enough, you know, the cobbler's son has no shoes. So despite working in online communities, I don't play a lot with other people, but it's like, if, all right, malls are closing down. Kids can't loiter anywhere. You're never just going to hang out in front of a 7-Eleven anymore. Mm -hmm. No, you're spending time on Roblox. You're spending time playing uh, Fortnite with your friends. And so in the in that space, that's where my friend Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike see me more on Fortnite than they do in real life, especially as we're coming out of pandemic. You know, I work fully remote. So it's like, oh, I want to show up shining wherever I am. So maybe I'm going to spend money on cosmetics, you know? Or, or you recognize like, oh, I this game is free to play. I play it a lot uh, and i want to support this company it's sometimes it's a form mm -hmm. of philanthropy excuse me from mm -hmm. the end consumer um so it's a mix of those things or gratitude yeah yeah gratitude's like oh man this I game that. is dope. i haven't spent any money on it thank you or oh man that looks dope screw it it's five bucks that's less than that's less than everything at this point yeah so yeah, I, have, I have a quick question i don't know how quick it is but yeah um I mean, I, I feel like in the role that you have, mm -hmm. um, you have the opportunity to to look ahead and a little bit around the corner mm -hmm. to what the industry is going to look like two and three years down the road, right? Um, right now, you know, we're laughing at each other as we put on headsets and try to figure out if, if we're all going to be playing, um, you know, in a virtual space, you know, the idea that you know, from my generation, we had virtual Game Boy, right? Where that, where that was like, hey, we're gonna try this out. Um, and there's like various iterations of, of this immersive space. Um, what, what do you, what do you think that's going to look like uh, in the near future? Do you think that that's going to be uh, a space that people catch on to quickly? Or do you feel like the, the space that we're in now where you have a controller and you have a TV screen, that's going to be uh, 
more predominant for a longer time, right? Because you know, I just got my PS5, so I nice. I wanted to hang around just a little longer so I can be in the in crowd. If I'm forced to put something on my head uh, to be cool, I just might I just might do it. It's interesting. I think well, there's a couple of questions. One about the what do I how do I envision VR going forward? Is it going to grow in market cap? What have you? I think VR is great for arcades. VR is great when I don't have to keep it in my house because VR requires or the, the optimal VR experience is with like set parameters, right? So if I go to a Dave and Buster's, uh, a main event, mm -hmm. a plank, if you're in Oakland, right? Like, oh, okay, like they got, they got, um, Bowling over here, they got Papa Shot, they got Street Fighter, perhaps an old school arcade machine. Oh, but they marked out 10 feet by 10 feet. Cool. I don't have to worry about moving my coffee table, my couch. Like I, if I got a VR setup today, I don't know where I'd put it. So it's great. It's great in like the out of home experience. Um, I think mobile has already proven itself to be so important and it's going to continue to be important because it's a great space to tap into people who otherwise don't play. My mother would not never describe herself as a gamer, a player, or somebody cares about video games, but she has one or two little mobile games in her phone. And she's told me like, yeah, I spent some money on that. You know, we're, we're looking, they're looking to tap into people who don't already play mobiles where you're going to do it. Mobiles where you can do it, you know? Um, but I think consoles, traditional consoles where it's like, oh, I paid 400 to 600 bucks up front, controller in hand. That's not going to go away anytime soon. It, it would be, it's beyond the curve to see like a future of gaming that doesn't involve consoles, right? Because PC, like you got the PS5, you got the Xbox Series X and S, um, you got PC gaming. Those are so embedded in what people envision as gaming. It's at the heart of it. So we, it would be to abandon that would be kind of betraying its roots in a way. Hmm. Good answer. Good answer. I have some things to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ga gaming <clears throat> as an industry financially surpasses uh film and television the the difference is it does not it has not culturally surpassed film and television there the, uh, dr jackie i see you tilting your head and mm -hmm. surprise right yeah because think about it, like if i if i told you hey listen to this song you pay perhaps ten dollars a month for spotify so you can listen to damn near any song that's released on a major label on earth um <laughs> if i tell you check out this tv show you're probably already subscribing to whatever streaming service is on I tell somebody, hey, check out this video game. Hopefully you already have the console. Then it's probably going to cost you $60 up front. And games are the only art form where you can't experience the, old, the, entire, the entire experience based on a personal skill level. Imagine the game is beautiful with a dope story and it's awesome and it's heartfelt. But, oh, man, it's actually very difficult. I'm thinking of Elden Ring right now. Then you won't experience the full thing. You won't experience the entirety of experience. No, nothing but a lack of vision will stop me from seeing uh, artwork you know, or watching a movie, but like games you're held back kind of by your own capabilities, depending on the genre, depending on what the game is trying to do and accomplish. Um, so mobile offers a space where it's like, oh, there's less of the controller barrier because everyone is decently dexterous with their phone because they use it all, all day. Most mobile games, especially the ones that take off, Angry Birds, Flappy Bird back in the day, Bejeweled, Candy Crush, what have you, most of those are free. Right. So like, what's the barrier if I tell you, hey, check out this mobile game. It's probably free. You probably are comfortable enough in controlling your phone to participate in it. So mobile has already proven to be huge. The question is, are they going to start developing more, quote unquote, serious experiences on mobile? And they, some already are. I've already I've played some games on my phone that could be considered art. Um, it wasn't Candy Crush, bless their hearts. Um, 
<laughs> the colors serious. are so pretty though the colors are so pretty but i'm talking about like oh there's a story here and so it's evocative the music's oh. like well something beyond just like quiet placation you know there that that can exist on <laughs> in games at large and soon more and more frequently on phones i think i think that's that's interesting that you bring up the the connection between video games film television mm -hmm. especially now that people can like pinpointedly look at uh the last of us mm -hmm. right as a successful uh crossover from first the video game to uh an award-winning series right um on on mm -hmm. hbo um has it been done before not to the extent of uh of the last of us right because you can point to things like tomb raider and you can point to um you know a few others i mean i think even i think even uh the super mario brothers movie was, was a was a great uh was a great example in, in 2023 but that had happened before right there was a super mario brothers uh tv show mm -hmm. and that spawned from the video game right and so I think the the connection between art forms is something that people often miss, but I think that you'll see it more and more often, um, you know, as we move forward, right? Because because if you if you look at you know those serious games that you're talking about, you've got everything that a, a film has. You have the the story, you have the the music, you have uh, you know costume design, vis visual effects, all of that is in in video games so i definitely see uh some of the the crossover now to that end the, the question i have for you is what are the games that you really like to to work on i know that you you've been mm -hmm. in a couple of different uh companies you've worked on a, a few different titles like what are the games that that you're drawn to personally um yeah that's a hard question um because the answer is when, when you're first coming in all you want to do is work on the brands and the games that you're super into right like i played way too much league in uh when i was at usc so when i finally league of legends that is when i say league uh, league mm -hmm. of legends is made by riot games when i finally got that riot games internship i'm like this is dope this is the best thing ever and that was a dope summer and i re and i really did enjoy that um but also there's the the flip side of that can be you know never meet your heroes in a way so when you're working on a piece of intellectual property a bit of ip that oh man this is dope I, I liked it my whole life and then you actually get to see how the sausage is made because big brands rightfully um can be very protective of their intellectual property but then you can feel like man i especially me who does social media who just wants to tweet like a person the big brand doesn't want that the big brand is like all right play it straight you want to tell the people about like we have an update coming you want to tell the people this thing is out that's damn near it. Or they're gonna they're gonna just contradict themselves. Like we want you to be spicier. We want you to be more interesting. We're not gonna let you do anything. We're gonna say no to everything. We're gonna want two weeks heads up on anything. But be cool. Be spicy. Be hip. I'm like, okay. I now almost resent this piece of IP and will uh, shit talk it. Excuse me. Uh, whenever I can. Um, so the to actual bring it back and answer your question. What do I like to work on? Um, I think the people matter so much more than the game itself at this point. Um, let me let me work in a place where I have somebody I can learn from. Let me work for managers who are supportive and care about my growth and care about me learning. Um, and hopefully, within 
combine that with at least a genre that I enjoy. So like I grew up playing a lot of fighting games. Um, I, I like action, action action RPGs. That is role playing games. Uh, we we're discussing that earlier. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it finally clicked. It did. Right. So like a ro- role playing game, just to tie it tightly. Uh, think Pokemon, Final Fantasy, uh, anything with uh, a lot of stats. Anywho. Um, so like, I'm really excited to be working on Towerborn right now with Stoic because like, oh, I like action RPGs, a combination of, I care about my stats and min maxing and making myself the strongest warrior, barbarian, what have you possible, but also live gameplay where there's combos and action and, and stuff like that, that, that meld I find really enjoyable. Um, so yeah, find, uh, mentors, people support you, place you can learn where you're fairly compensated, preferably in a genre that you enjoy. So Candy Crush is a video game. Yes. And I enjoy Candy Crush. I can I can play Candy Crush. I, l- I love Tetris. Yeah. I like a good Tetris game. Do you remember? Hey, Dr. Mario. This is I love me some Dr. Mario. I was at the babysitter growing up, and they were like, no, that'll be too hard for him. So I didn't get to play it. And so I never had it. Uh, yeah. It's like, like Tetris, but with the pills <laughs> and the virus. You got to make the virus go away. I still play it. This is how yep. this is how millennials got addicted to pills by by playing Doctor Mario. Dr. Mario. Don't put that on him. He, he he was a good doctor. He was he was he just doing what doctor. he thought was best. You know those pharmaceutical reps they got Molly to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. I, I know. I know. Doctor Jackie had a couple of things that could potentially wrap us up, but related to kind of what you were talking about in terms of mentorship and and that type of thing looking for roles things like that cool so yeah i i'm thinking about you know you're here you know all, all these things you have all these different experiences and I, i'm i'm wondering if someone is interested in getting into video games, which I can imagine there are a lot of people uh, that love video games and wish they could just get paid for doing it. What advice do you have for people who want to get into the industry? Cause you had a really um, interesting path when you talked about your degrees and how you moved forward from there. Yeah, Dr. Jack, you're being very kind. I think my path is super boring. I, I was just on a railroad, you know, to, to, to a Nigerian family, education is always the answer. So like, oh, I went and studied. But yet on the same time, I think I've had two to three managers uh, over the course of my career, like no college education. Um, so it's, it's, it's more and more necessary. Uh, and I, I, of course, would always say, oh, college, 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 because I both enjoyed college and am still Nigerian. But uh, <laughs> for those who... I mean, there's a couple different pieces of the industry. If you want to make games, it's like, oh, how can I make games? Start making games. That is, um, get some friends together and be a dungeon master for like a tabletop RPG. Like do some Dungeons and Dragons and be the person building the world. There's uh, cheap software out there. There, Unity is a a program, uh, software people in which people make games. So like, oh, download Unity. There's student versions of it. Start making stuff. Make a card game. Like mod- modify, all right, we go buy a deck of cards and think of a game you can make beyond just poker and spades. You know, make a game. If you want to make games, make games. That is, you know, if you wake up every day, you say, I want to be a writer. I wake up every day thinking about writing. You already are a writer. So you already are a game developer. Um, now, if you 
okay, the, the more brass tacks, oh, how can I pursue a formal education in games? I chose USC because they have the number one undergraduate game development program in the country. Um, and there are other schools out there that have good programs, whether I, I would, I would always recommend get the well-rounded thing. Cause there, there's some schools that focus purely on almost like technical schools for game design and development. So there's full sale and DigiPen out there. And I know some people who've gone there, graduated and are working in the industry. That's good. Um, look at Princeton reviews list of like schools that do this, at least as a starting point. And then connect with other people. Again, community is so important. It's easier to keep, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Find other people who want to make games. And if they're not in person, they're certainly on the internet. Um, there are going to be Discord communities. Like there's this uh, group I'm a part of. Speaking of the devil, I just got a Discord bump. It's like, uh, was it Black and Gaming is a community online for those who, for Black folks who work in games and want to work in games. Um, websites like uh, Game Career Guide, uh, gamesindustry.biz. If you just Google games industry careers and look at the sites there for uh, additional resources and just connect with other people. Um, and then if you want a, a really big rising frequent one that you hear so much, is, oh, I want to be a streamer. I want to be an, uh, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a content creator. That's where I, I wag the finger the most, not because there's nothing to it. Not because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like chasing stardom. I think you need to start for those who want to work in that space. I want to be on Twitch. I want to be on YouTube and the mm. focus be games. Don't make it about, Oh, I want a million people to follow me and I want to be adored. You can, you can chase adoration forever. And you'll never feel full. Instead, figure out what about games you enjoy hone in and focus, right? Just, not just, Oh, like how many, how many people do you know out there who said, Oh, y'all have a podcast. Oh man, I'll have a podcast. Just me and my friends, you know, just talk about whatever. We're so funny. No focus. If you like games, what part of games do you like? Do you like the do you like the role play aspect of games? Okay, get super into that aspect of it. Niche is important. On a planet with eight billion people and uh, and so many digital devices, nothing is ever too specific. So don't just don't be general. Be specific. Yeah. Oh, uh, our our debate continues. Yep, it does. Step on something. So, so, so uh, Dr. Jackie and I have been in a debate over several episodes between yep. this season and last season about being a generalist or being a specialist. You know, some of our guests come on and say, I'm a generalist. Others come on mm -hmm. and say, I'm a specialist. Right. And so it's, it's one of those things where depending on your industry, depending on your space, depending on what's needed. You might have to be a journalist in one moment and a specialist in another. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, and stop me from going too long, but just to really specify that statement I made, I'm talking about be specific in the content you create, but on the flip side, in my work as like, oh, I work in the business side normally at the pu big publishers, generalists are the ones who have the, the chops to manage wide teams, wide interdisciplinary teams. Mm. So both are good he said making nobody happy yeah there you, go. <laughs> you a diplomat i really am yeah <laughs> there you go all right and final question is um is there anybody you want to shout out that helped you along the way um okay let me go back really far shout out miss olandike in the first grade uh okay 
I, I, yeah, I, my, my grandmother's a teacher. I'm a big ups to teachers as far back. So Miss Olendike in the first grade, Miss Trusty in the fourth grade. Um, oh, Professor Gordon Bellamy at USC. He was the first black professor I think I ever had. And he might be the most connected man in this games industry. Um, I mentioned his name. Like, oh, I know Gordon. Oh, I know Gordon. Gordon's dope. Um, yeah, the, those are some folks I want to shout out. Oh, shout out my mom and dad for being on my butt my entire existence about school. It panned out. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and hopefully one day we'll have uh, Professor Bellamy on the show. Professor Bellamy is super dope. You should look oh, him yeah. up if you don't know who he is, but he's one of the, the many folks behind uh, Madden mm-hmm. and uh, the, the football game that if you even don't know about gaming, you know about Madden. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so yeah, shout out to, to Gordon Bellamy. Mm-hmm. But we, we we love we love shouting out the people that that help us and push us towards uh towards our goals and I, I love a, a good shout out to teachers as well. Oh yeah, of so. course. Well, that is it, Boca. Thank you so much for your time. I have definitely learned a lot. I am a gamer. I found out because I play a lot of games on my phone. Exactly. Um and. Yeah, I think that the communities that you are nurturing and investing into are going to be much better off for having you been in in the industry. So I really yeah. appreciate you saying that. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do on Towerborn. So if anyone wants to follow that progress, check out Towerborn on Discord, Towerborn on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, coming to Xbox and PC next year. Thank you. All right. Hey, we love a good promo. But you know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> As we always say, we'll see y'all on the next one. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember, the way we build social capital is to build self and build others. Be sure you got some notes on your tablet, computer, or even using a pen and paper. Leave us a review. Continue the conversation on social media at Black Social Cap. And share the show with someone you know. Until the next episode, stay motivated and rise together.